You say he'll start, telling me. He'll start barking huh? at you? Yeah, he'll freaking growl at you. It lets you know that fucking you're in my house now. This is I'm I'm the dominant guy. No, I've never uh, heard that. And I'm like, you know, I'm whipping the bird, and my buddy's laughing his ass off. He's, what are you doing? I said, I'm fucking flipping this fucker off because he's uh, he's got us. He's got us beat right now. So <laughs> never did get that sucker beat. Hunter Podcast is brought to you by Deer Grow. Man, it's MS Food Plot season, Jared, and Deer Grow is one of those products that has really changed the way that we plant food plots and the success we've seen from them. No doubt. I've been, you know, trying to plant food plots my, my entire you know, whitetail hunting career, which is a little shorter than yours, but the minute that I started or that I, you know, I realized that I could get Deer Grow back into some of these remote plots where I couldn't get lime or fertilizer, especially in the 50-pound bag, you know, format, mm-hmm. so everything was changed. You know, I could get into these spots uh, moving forward with a, with a backpack sprayer, and that's since escalated to these 40 or 60 uh, gallon sprayers and we're doing upwards of you know five to ten acre food plots just with your grow and having phenomenal success yeah and i mean with the price of fertilizer lime diesel everything this year i mean what better way to get in there and grow a successful food plot at about a third of the cost check out deer grow at deergrow.com and we're back it's for cereal this time excuse me uh hunter podcast episode 97 what's up everybody right nick 97 yep Wearing the same shirt as '96. It's the same day. I realize me. that. Yeah. Did you? Are you wearing the same shirt? Same shirt. Yeah. Don't judge us. It's deer season. Yeah. I, I didn't even one. eat anything today. I, I just said until Nick, I'm living off of deer season. I just drank a coffee like it was gonna fill me up. It didn't. Mm, I got some pre-workout waiting for me afterwards. Mm-hmm. At the gym. You think they uh, those big bucks appeal to your scrapes more because you got creatine in your pee? No. In <laughs> fact, I think that they. Seriously, did you? I don't know if you saw that comment, but there's a glow. No, it has nothing to do with pee. Crystals has nothing to do with pee. (laughs) Yeah, but that's yeah, yeah, (laughs) that's seasonal. We got it. Yeah, those are called kidney stones. (laughs) Yeah, I I passed that, Nick. Um, dude, there's a there's a class of guys out there that, uh, and my uncle is one of them that Mm -hmm. they don't eat red meat. Like, ooh, so somebody wrote us about that. That's what I was. Is that where it came from? Is that like a real thing? That's not thing? where it came from. That's just I, what made me think. They don't it. eat red meat during the season or right before they hunt? Uh, during the season. Holy shit. What do you eat? Yeah. Uh, chicken? Chicken. Yeah. Salmon? Uh, white meat, veggies. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, salmon. What? I don't know. Yeah, I, But it, I believe and so somebody can correct us in the comments. I, I mean, I can't believe that. Like, okay. I understand the red meat, but you can't then go and eat chicken and say, well, it's going to make a difference. You're going to have to go like I could be wrong. Vegetarian. So somebody can, can, can correct me on that. But the thinking is that carnivores are predator, predators, two mm-hmm. deer. Predator, you know, prey. Predators, you know, consume red meat. They mm-hmm. put off a, you know, some kind of an odor that is. Out of our skin or out of our pee? I mean, maybe both. Mm-hmm. Um, so the thinking is, you know, hey, don't, don't eat red meat. You won't smell like a predator. Deer won't smell you and or be scared they that's complimented by and again my uncle is one of these guys i, mm-hmm. I don't know it works or not i have no idea what to ask dale what Take, he, eats. he takes it as alfalfa pills i've heard that yeah i've, I've heard alfalfa or chlorophyll so i think pills. lack of red meat gets you to zero alfalfa gets you to 100 mm. interesting zero to 100 killing big bucks i don't know about that i don't I mean, I eat red meat all the time, and I kill big bucks. Yeah, no, me too, and I'm not going to stop either, so. No. Anyways, October 11th still. Yep. If you're listening to this, it's October uh, 25th. Carry the one. Yep. Yep. 25th. 25th. Oh, that's a good day. Oh, 
Big bucks are dying today. Today is a good Big day. Big bucks may have died this morning. They will be dying this evening as well. Yes, hopefully by me. <laughs> yes, because we're not actually recording this on the 25th. You know what I just uh, subthought here? I need mm-hmm. to buy my PA license. That will be necessary to hunt Pennsylvania. Yes. Mm-hmm. So I'll get on that. So if this is the 25th, we are just getting back from a shirk weekend, shirking off all weekend. Um, which, by the way, I am going to shirk uh, slash rattle my balls off all week in that stand. Yeah, he's a, he's a, that's what we call shirking off, right? The grunting. I will have the grunt tube in the pocket. Yep. Ready to rip. I'll be using it. I'll, I'll be blind shirking. Yes. <laughs> I'd be interested to see. You mentioned earlier that he sent you a map to where you're going to be. He did. Not your area, my area. Yours. Did he send you deer? Pictures of deer? Not yet. Yeah. There's probably none there. Yeah, maybe. (laughs) All I know is he sent me a picture of it. Why? Well, I assume it's because of certain deer is there that he'd send you to a certain area. I assume so. Yeah, I hope he's not sure. How big is the area he sent you? Like 10,000 acres. (laughs) Yeah. But that's where I'll be. <laughs> 10,000 acres. I'm serious. It probably is 10,000 acres. He's like, let's start by downloading this entire wildlife management unit. I was like, what? Uh, he said he hadn't figured yours er- yours out yet, but it was not in mine. Mine must be super but special. Like, that's where I get, I mean, you can see all the cameras in the area. Okay. There's Orange is cameras? Huh? Orange is cameras? Uh, orange and yellow. I think yellow cell, orange is regular. Okay. And then there's also a couple stands down here. Okay. So he just said, this is your area. Are like, you ready? Okay. Do you have, um, Huh? are you ready? Like, do you have all your stuff together? <laughs> are you hunting before then? Well, I'm making that round trip this week in Ohio, Kentucky. And, and you- then I'll come back and I'll, I'll be ready. Okay. I, pre- I don't know if I'm going to hunt this weekend or not. I, I, this is my last weekend of like, I'm going to make one last dash to get all the shit ready Maybe some cameras out. Maybe move some stands around, and then I'm I'm done. I'm just fucking hunting. Yeah. <laughs> After that. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I'll probably be mobile, but I'm trying to get everything for kids. My dad, like, I'm just, you know, got to get everybody else set up too. So, but yeah, this will be the last mad dash. Um. At, really, I think the first time I hunt will be with Shark. Kind of a whirlwind, man. I think so. Today's t- Tuesday, October eleventh. Mm-hmm. I'm mm-hmm. gonna hunt. Thursday after the rain, mm-hmm. Friday, mm-hmm. and that's our. Yeah, you have a buck to hunt. I don't right now. Well, Although I, I might kill, I might go after that eleven point in Kentucky on Friday I night. I don't know if I have a win to hunt them yet or not. We'll, we'll see. I'll make a game day yep. decision. But then I don't know what this weekend looks like. I, I may or may not. Uh, I may. It's gonna be warm Saturday. So maybe not mid sixties. Back out and do some Monday. I think is when that n- big front. I'm gonna hits. hunt Monday. That's the that's right because I don't know if that front's gonna be through yet or not. Tuesday really looks good, but we gotta close up the dairy mart. So mm-hmm. and then Thursday we head to the Shirks. Wednesday. Wednesday we head to the yeah. Shirks. So Tuesday, Wednesday I'm on mm-hmm. dairy mart, mm-hmm. and then Wednesday afternoon head to Shirks. Mid late morning mm-hmm. we head up, and uh, so we start, start hunting Thursday. Thursday. Yeah. Thursday morning we're hunting mornings and evenings. Okay. Mm-hmm. Two different areas, I think. Okay. Cool, dude. I'm excited. Um, speaking of which, we're going to be mobile and, uh, we got a mobile guy on the podcast today. The mobile guy, maybe. Mobile guy, yeah. The, the lone wolf. Andre DeQuestia. Yeah. So we roped in Andre for, uh, who knows how long today. I've been working on him. 
you have, man. You, you took you took you spending a little cash to yep. to get the needle moving, but yep. we nailed them down. Yep. we've got them on. Um, so yeah, we've got Andre DeCostio, and I mean, what a what a cool way to like hear kind of this evolution of of not only his brand, but just you know, this is a guy we talk about all the time who, you know, when you find a guy who's got that that bug, that just you know passion for bow hunting and and killing big whitetails, like this is one of those guys for sure. Yeah, no doubt. And I mean, uh, just f- from the outside looking in, like, I think there's, there's a lot of unknowns, um, you know, but it's it surely seems like he's reached the pinnacle of some goals that he set for himself, mm-hmm. you know, and now, uh, sons Cody's, you know, working in the business and, mm-hmm. and, you know, kind of building a legacy there, but, uh, we'll be super interested to hear what that, uh, journey has been like for him and where he's at now in his hunting career. And, uh, yeah, yeah, it's Andre. Let's get him on. All right, man. Well, we got Andre here on the podcast. We appreciate you jumping on and taking some Iowa time for us, at least at uh, at this point. It sounded like you were having some mechanical troubles anyways on the forklift earlier. <laughs> yeah, so I do a little turn, turn a wrench a few years years ago when I was a, a younger man uh, working in the automobile industry. So we usually have the, the worst shit, worst maintained equipment and everything. And- <laughs> Oh, well, we can fix it quick when we need to. So we got the tire change and truck unloaded. I gotta say, Andre, you're a tough man to get a hold of. If I if I can share the story real quickly here, we've got a, a mutual friend here in uh, Pennsylvania. So I got to knew fairly recently. He's like, oh, mm-hmm. yeah, I have my buddy Andre on. I was like, you know Andre? I was like, yeah, we'd love to have him on. And uh, he's like, oh yeah, yeah, I'll call him. I'll talk to him. <laughs> so I think I think he, he called you twice or whatever, and then. I, I texted you, dude, I, I'll go back and count. It was four or five times. Oh, I never, sure. listen, I never got a response from you. And then I went on, out on my own volition, not, and I promise it wasn't, uh, it wasn't for this purpose, but I went and I was like, I, I got to buy a run of guns. We've stand. got a, we've got a mobile hunt coming up that we so, need. Yep. We needed. So I yeah. bought a 0.5 DeQuistio series stand and I bought four sticks and I texted him a screenshot oh, yeah. and he, and then he texted me back and says, Oh, Hey, Hey, did we need to get on a phone call or something? So this is a new, new sales technique now. So all you guys on the oh, podcast, hey. you got to buy a stand and then we're, yeah, we're going to the contact. Oh, Hey, did I miss a text from you or something? Oh yeah. <laughs> Uh, so I'm into good graces now, I think. It's also October. Yeah, you guys are connected now. All uh, right. Yeah. <laughs> it's October. It's tough, man. I mean, that's that's funny and shit. You know, I kind of feel bad for guys. <laughs> I, hey, I appreciate it, man. I would do exactly the same thing if yeah. I was in your shoes. So not, no yeah. no offense. All right. Just make sure the stand gets here. Yeah, just make sure I get my stand here. <laughs> shit, we'll send you somebody else to stand in a box or something. Uh, yeah. <laughs> right on. Timmy? Yeah, I'll take it. Uh, well, cool, Andre. Well, listen, man, we do appreciate you taking some time to talk to us. Um, you know, it, it's one of those things I think that people probably listen to this, um, you know, and you can go as deep as you want, but man, I, I think Jared and I are just really kind of eager to hear, you know, your story on, on Lone Wolf. You know, I mean, it's, it's one of those things that we always want to hear kind of the background of how things came about and, you know, maybe maybe the lone wolf story has a bunch of twists and turns here recently, but but at least you know, kind of give us the rundown, man. Let's let's hear it from your own words of of how this all came about. So it it started out as a hobby. Um, I was a big trapper. Uh, ended up trying bow hunting one year and just flipped out over uh, running around chasing deer with a recurve on the ground. Then started going to trees and um, really got bit by the bug big time. One of those stories where it almost ruins your life and your family life. And I just, I just got consumed with, with the hunting. Um, and as, as we went on, um, I would, 
I did my own stand, designed my own stand, and then I had no other hobbies. So in the off season, I would tinker with my equipment and just redesign and, and keep making modifications. And it was a climber at that time. Never, no hang-ons back in the day. Right. Uh, we were from Wisconsin. It was climber country. You can go anywhere up and up in Wisconsin, National Nicolet Forest, all that public land up there. It was all, I mean, it, miles and miles of it. Uh, it had the actual most public land of any county in Wisconsin. So Damn. we were blessed. We had a, a uh, in-laws, their in-laws now, but my girlfriend's father had a cabin up there and we were able to, uh, bum the cabin out and, and do some hunting, me and my brother. So, but it kept uh, developing, making changes. It went from a welded open stand to steel. It went to a movable portable stand. And it's funny that uh, somebody just mentioned, as a matter of fact, I have some of the stands just out in the shop. I went to uh, Wisconsin, one of the rentals there and up in the Raptors, I pulled my first climbers out. And you realize my first two-piece climber folded two and a half inches flat back then in the 80s. Holy shit. Feet integrated to the platform. And the weight wasn't, you know, obviously it was a lot higher, but um, it's weird. A lot of that technology was already, uh, the, um, you know, was, was already done back in the, back in the day. So, <laughs> you know, long story short, uh, Kind of kept building. So many guys kept hitting me up for stands, wanting to buy them. So I'd make, you know, 25, make a few more. Uh, and then it got to be a business. And um, Is this in the 80s like, still, Andre, or are you moving into the 90s at this point? Uh, that was, uh, so in 84, we um, uh, we trademarked it. My, ex, my wife actually, or girlfriend at the time, you know, my wife figured out the name. And then we uh, registered and we started, uh, I worked full time. My brother was working full time and he was mm -hmm. working part time for me and just, you know, constantly working. So um, kept dumping money into it. And just again, it was a hobby. I like the uh, the sport. I like the people. Yeah. And I go to all these little shows just like we do now and visit with guys and bullshit with them and and uh, sell them a stand. So then it got bigger and bigger. And then um, we got into that casting is where it really turned into I think, a bigger business. Absolutely. Um, you know, went from wood. Well, here's what happened. The whole industry wood? was wood and aluminum. Yeah. And everybody went to aluminum when I had the best goddamn wood and aluminum stand in the market. And I'm sitting there again now behind the whole curve and 30 other companies all welding steel together, welding aluminum. So then I had to think of something, try to think of something a little better. And I ended up coming up with that casting. And then once we did that, that kind of left them, you know, looking to do the next best thing. And then... Um, uh, you can go back, and uh, I think the uh, marketers are going to do that in the near future. Uh, there's nothing in this industry right now in tree stand designs that has been touched by something I developed back in the day, uh, either patented or came up with. And it's all the manufacturers are utilizing our technology. That's crazy. Uh, and they're still using it. So it's um, kind of a pat on the back there that it uh, had it right back then. Uh, but even my hang-ons, when I first started doing hang-ons, the customer got our nine and a half pound hang on. I was running with a machined bottom off a casting that was a seven and a half pound stand, seat trimmed down, just just lean and mean, you know, screwing steps. And then we developed the, uh, the climbing sticks, obviously. Yeah. Uh, and all of the stuff, hunting low. I was hunting low back in the day. Um, this running and gunning, you know, stay out of the bedding area bullshit. Man, I was just busting all the rules all the way up and, um, and having success with it. So. Yeah. Uh, it's funny now everybody is doing the same thing and they love tinkering with their equipment. Yeah. And a lot of these guys got some phenomenal, great ideas. I'm using some of their little, 
uh, ways that they modified our stuff, you know, come up with, you know, not using the uh, straps on the sticks, putting them yeah. in bags and yeah. things of that nature. So um, what I think I'm doing now more than anything in business is listening to what our customers want. Uh, because we're back in the day, there wasn't a lot of really serious guys hunting. Sure. And now you got guys just like me, meticulous, uh, anal about their equipment um, and modifying and just making everything wants the best yeah. stuff for their sport, whether you're golfing or hunting or whatever the hell it is, fishing. Um, yeah. Christ, my brother's a big time fisherman. He, he freaking polishes his freaking lures, dude, with wax. <laughs> I mean, talk about talk about nuts, right? So, uh, <laughs> you know, I guess I'm that anal on another level with the, with the whitetail equipment, but uh yeah, I learned early on having your shit together was half the game. That's it, uh, man. Being able to just grab your shit, go, and then uh, um, I think when it got crazy, somebody wrote an article years ago on me, and they uh, uh, they dubbed it like a, a whitetail hunting machine. And the machine was an extension of this equipment I was using. Yeah. Uh, and almost like without it, you're not you're not that efficient guy, and that that equipment is a, that's your most important piece of hunting equipment to me as a tree stand. If I were to forget one thing, I'd, I'd rather forget my bow than my stand because I'd see more shit yeah. hunting yeah. out of a stand and, uh, and getting more scouting in than, um, uh, than a lot of people think their most important equipment is. So hmm. yeah. And it, uh, you know, missed all my kids, communions, baptisms, <laughs> you name it. I just got, are there, more, are there more kids Cody, or than just, just Cody? I mean, Cody's the one we no, know. No, I got two uh, two daughters. Okay. Uh, two two older siblings, and then he has, he has a younger brother. Uh, Ashley, it. obviously, she's part owner in this and runs this business uh, on the back end, and she's a hunting fool just like we both are, and the other two like are into fishing and things of that nature. So Very cool. Uh, and my youngest son's a, uh, a gun enthusiast. He loves just hammering, you know, <laughs> bullets at the target. So, yeah. And fishing on that Emmett. So we have a pretty big family. Um, but while we were going up and moving forward, you know, my wife, all our friends were building new houses, driving new cars. We're freaking just busted and just kept dumping, shoveling dumping money in the and, business. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, they, and she looked at me and she's numerous times. She's like, are you doing the right thing? I said, all the numbers, you know, they all crunch and they add up. We just got to, you know, and then. One year you end up on, uh, with inventory, your money's all in aluminum. You can't eat that. Yeah. Can't buy gifts at that for Christmas. And then um, you get more efficient as you go. And I think we got a pretty good handle on it now. Um, yeah. Where we're going. And then I kind of retired, you know, for a few years. Uh, I even stopped filming for a couple of years. And um, I think with the, the ignition of Cody getting involved, you know, every, your yeah. dad's a plumber. You end up being a plumber. You know, your yep. dad's a machinist. You end up a machinist. Who'd ever thought my kid would end up being a, a tree stand designer and, <laughs> and selling stands for a living? So yeah. he's with us full time. And I think the extension of him being younger and energy and with the same name, you know, same but last name, mm-hmm. I think he rekindled this whole lone wolf. Yeah, man. Type of stuff, you know, and, uh, I probably wouldn't have the energy, obviously, to do it myself alone. Um, and now it's uh, it's on fire, man. We are we are just killing it. Um, the quality of stuff, too. Um, we've seen we've it, man. Tons, tons of money it. into it, you know. So. Yeah, no, it's amazing. You, you think that having Cody involved in the business for, I don't know what it's been now, five, ten years, 
has that reignited your passion for not just the tree stand industry, but for, but for bow hunting? Um, I've always had a passion for bow hunting. I kind of run out a lot of rope, uh, you know, uh, you probably heard the story of when I started out, my first Hope and Young was 125 and an eighth and, and all the way up to 181 inch buck. Uh, I never killed a deer smaller in a previous year. I always increased my score. I would know where what? 155 was. <laughs> And never, never once has the score of a deer that I killed backed no. up. It's always been a little, because I'd, uh, I'd know where those deer were, another 150-inch buck, let's say, if it was at that time. And there'd be one that I'd, I'd want bigger, and that would be 155, and I'd be passing up this 150 to kill this 150. I just, it just got in my head with score. and I had well, never I heard that. We, we talk about that all the time. Yeah, we talk about that evolution, Andre, and it's like, it's hard for us to sit back and hear guys, um, in no offense to him, but like a John Eberhardt, just kill 125s year in and year out. And it's like, well, yeah. dude, what's the next challenge for you? Dude, do you know how many 125-inch bucks I could kill in a year? Yeah. Literally 300 of them. <laughs> yeah. I got my, when I retired and my kids, we, we got back in, involved in XOP, they hunt the same property I hunt here. Uh, they started pulling out, and I just was now I was filming for just fun. So yeah. they wanted to get some tapes and start. They were going to do whitetail addictions for XLP for a little bit. They found some tapes in there and they put one in, and I passed up literally five bucks in the 160s and one freaking, where the hell is this on this freaking property? They're saying, I, you know, it's, uh, <laughs> it's those little Over there. Planning, bachelor groups. Um, and so what I did is I just kept raising the bar, raising the bar. And then pretty soon I got, uh, uh, where I ran out of rope. It got to be the, yeah, well, yeah. big, it was, um, uh, two of the bucks that I shot in Wisconsin, uh, missed the state record two different years by less than an inch and a half. Damn. Um, so I'm, I'm good at number two. A lot of people don't know either that I shot a buck in, um, uh, in Illinois years ago, that would have been a, uh, a number two for the state there. And the uh, the scoring uh, over there decided to rescore it because of this common baseball shit. Oh. And they knocked, they knocked the score down, or I would have had the number two in Illinois for uh, for for a year. So huh. um, I did hear something too on this. You mentioned uh, uh, Eberhardt. Uh, his name he was on a. Uh, maybe we can clear that up right here, right here and now too. This will be a good one for you guys. You get a lot of you get a lot of guys <laughs> wanting to listen. Freaking to go for it, dude. <laughs> so. I met him years ago at a show and I did not never heard of him, never knew who he was and wasn't being an ass about it. So that's what one of my buddies says, well, like he doesn't know who you are. He made like, he didn't know my name on his, this last podcast, but anyhow, it's probably was he's still, still bent from that. But where he came about, it was in Michigan and I was more probably on a little more more of a national scheme, but he had mentioned that I shot all my deer on like a game farm here. <laughs> I have a lot of really serious hunters that hunt a lot of the same property I have and don't do as well as I do. And for the record, all my big deer have been shot in three different states and are some of the biggest deer in those states. So it's not like I'm hunting one piece of ground that I know inside and out. And I've killed a ton of deer on public ground uh, before public ground got personal and are uh, popular. And I want to let the, you guys know this right here and right now. I used to go to public land to get a break from pressure. Hmm. So when I was coming up, I'm hunting 10 acres of freaking property with 10 other freaking guys and getting it done every year on that. So if you want pressure, I can show you pressure on private land and, and I've hunted public land that I'd never, and I was smart enough to say, Hey, I will never go back to the Buckhorn national forest. 
or the Nicolay National Forest, which I hunted one year uh, opening gun season. That was like being in Vietnam. <laughs> yeah. And it, dude, yeah. not for me, you know. And I'm sure I could go in there and shoot all kinds of mediocre small bucks. Right. But that's not what I was about. So I had my, what I set out to do took me down different paths. Sure. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we have some leases. I own some property. I have permission on a bunch of properties. I have to go where a caliber deer that I'm uh, after is on. And I'll tell you, in Wisconsin on public land, I just about closed the deal on the state record there one year when another guy got it. Uh, it ended up beating my number two out. Ended up being, being one number one hundred hundred eighty and six inch bucket was typical. Mm. Um, so I was on to that deer on public land, and that's why I was hunting that public land because there was deer of that caliber. But to me, going out and hunting, uh, you know, hundred and twenty five inch class deer on public is not a challenge at all. Even with other guys in there, it's not a challenge. And uh, I don't care who you are, 125-inch deer is small on public land and it's small on private land to me. What do you? Uh, th- it may not be when yeah. you start, you know. Andre, what do you think gets people, like, wh- why would guys like Eberhardt get so excited over that kind of a deer? Like, wh- what do you think? I mean, he well, literally well, told us, he's like, I will not hunt public or private land. I will always hunt those well, the, deer, the, heavy the, pressured public. The, the, the thing that has to be taken into account here, too, is difference of, of state. So, sure. I mean, John is obviously in Michigan. Yeah. And, and the state and the piece that he's on might be just hammered with guys. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to tell you, if it's that hammered with guys, you probably are not going to be as consistent as he is, there's something that you settle in. And a lot of these guys hunting these public grounds, dude, they're hunting ground that they could hunt for a week and never see another hunter on it. And yeah. it's, you know, so-called public ground, but they're having already, you know, you're bragging about being on a public ground and you're hunting in a conservancy that only five guys ever in the history of the conservancy were able to hunt it. Mm. That's more private than any private ground. What What is the fascination with that? I mean, it's, well, to me, it's not any, Yeah, yeah. it's I- easier, you know, to kill a buck on that. Andre, I think where Jeremy and I struggle to see eye to eye with guys that are, you know, have the Eberhart mindset of like, well, um, I'm going to kill the best deer that I can, you know, in, in yeah. my, my nook of the woods here. I think Jeremy and I are very, and maybe it's because we're young. Maybe it's because, we, you know, we share some goals of wanting to hunt giant deer mm-hmm. is that right. we're, we're going to go to where, where they're at. You know, you can't kill mm-hmm. a big buck if they're out there. You know, we say that all the time here. And so, uh, you know, somebody like that who's like, well, I just kill the best year that I can in my nook of the woods every year. We're like, well, why? Go, 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 go to where there's a bigger one. Well, so I would do that when I had nothing else to hunt. But because I was a score guy, um, I was left empty without. So imagine being a private land hunter, having 20 acres to hunt, mm-hmm. and there's nothing on there you want to kill. Yeah. yeah. Well, Who's going to have a better advantage? Some guy that got to just go on a public land, thousands of acres, to go find a freaking deer that you can kill. Yeah, exactly. So I've wandered back and forth between the two. And up in Upper Wisconsin, up in, in the, the northern, dude, we used to hunt. We'd go for weeks and not see guys. And then, I, and I, you maybe you haven't heard this story either, but me and my brother had our climbers up there. And one day we were there and it was starting to get busier and busier the years. And two guys were headed in deeper than we were. And they both had lone wolf fucking stands on their back. <laughs> And I said, we're, we're in trouble, man. This, this, yeah. this, we created some monsters. There, brother. Yeah. So, uh, but it was exciting to, to see that, you know, it was, um, yeah, it was fun in that, but, um, to go back, um, I think if you're trying, I think he's trying to make the statement that he's the best, the best bow hunter in the world because of that. And <laughs> dude, 
I got a roller deck of friends that if, and some of them do not want people to even see what kind of deer they're killing. Right. There are a lot of really freaking good hunters. Yeah. In this, in this country, buddy. And there are some guys that are just, um, can get it done and get it done anywhere. So, uh, so I started out just like you guys did young. Uh, my first deer was like, uh, I could fit a grapefruit. My first buck was a little eight point. You could put a grapefruit in between this rack, and I was excited about it. I killed a bunch of little deer like that, mm-hmm. going up and up to 115s and 20s. But something happened with that record when it was a uh, the first Pope and Young, and something just triggered my head. And I was always an athlete and always a goal setter, so it it, it made my passion now almost like a little more exciting to do to, to do that hunt, you know. So. Um, to hunt it that way. And then I got into elk hunting and I was an athlete. And then that's a combination of white of bow hunting and athleticism. None of this holding back and, um, yeah. you know, taking it easy on there. So I loved that for years. I, uh, a couple of buddies of mine said they, uh, you know, he still can't run one down, but he's getting real close to be able to, I would just freaking go at him hard. And, <laughs> and I've just about shot an elk on every freaking hunt I've been on. So, yeah. um, but back to what I wanted to clear up on that. So one thing, uh, all my top end deer are in different states, different properties. And the other thing was about scent control. Where the hell this guy ever got the idea that I'm not about scent control? Fuck it. I don't know because I am so freaking anal about, uh, I wash my hands before I go to the bathroom. I wash my hands after I won't wear a fucking shirt through a full day of my wife wants to freaking wring my neck. Yeah. Uh, I, my grandkids come and start pawing on me, man. I'm up and washing my hands. I'm a, is. It's personal hygiene to start with, but my hunting regimen is no different. I just don't buy into gimmicky shit that I know does not work. I have a system that fucking works that I've over the years, I've just figured, you know, figured out that it, it works better than that. And, uh, with no sense and I'm all over property, I'll beat the shit out of it. I'll put more pressure to 10 guys on public ground do, but when I, where I find my ambush spot, is what I call a virgin sit. It is completely clean and nothing's coming into that spot. That's going to know anybody's been there and I'm right there to crack them over the head. And that's worked the best for me over the years, complete and utter surprise. Um, some of these deer will come out of this property looking around like, where the hell is this guy? You know, I know he's in here. I know he's after me, but he ain't going to have a clue when it comes time. And, um, some of the other guys that were throwing in a bus are way better hunters in my opinion. And they didn't all start on, you know, start out in premium properties. They, they got sure. successful. They were able to buy just like me, a bigger piece of ground. Uh, but they were in the trenches too. And they were pretty damn good hunters coming up through. So yeah. uh, I wouldn't throw anybody under the bus and I would never, never bastardize anybody for shooting small deer, small bucks, man. If you're excited, if I would give everything I have on the wall to go back and hunt that same year that I actually did not even kill a buck when I was just out chasing white tail mm-hmm. with a bull. Yeah. Uh, if I could tap into that feeling again, I would give up all of the shit I got on the walls for, for another hunt like that. Cause that's what, that's what drives you. Yeah. And I've mentioned it before on other, uh, other podcasts. It's like a heroin addict. You never get that first, that first high you get, mm-hmm. you're always chasing it. You never get it back, but you, um, um, you want it, you know? You're yeah. So, uh, Andre, where are you at now? Like in this, you know, the, the, the pursuit of, of bigger and bigger antler deer, is that something that you're still on? Or is that something that at no, some point that dude, that tapped out when it, uh, so okay. my biggest, you know, non-typical is a two sixteen. 
Jesus. I think it's typical to 201. And no, um, there's no more there's no more rope there, man. Come on, bro. <laughs> you, you could do better. Yeah, I'm, I'm out of rope, so um, yeah. I want. See, so here's what's exciting about 90% of the time I go out and there's not the caliber I want to hunt or whatever. I'm looking to you know try and find something or whatever. Um, I'm never in a kill mode like I used to be. Yeah. And now I got these new broadheads I'm testing out. Last year I shot two deer. I probably wouldn't have shot if it wasn't for the broadheads. And it is fun to go out again with the intent that I'm going to kill something, you know, with a, with a bow and arrow. There's still going to be decent deer, but um, uh, I can use the excuse now that I'm, I'm doing it for field test. Yeah, field test. Test. But, field test. Yeah. Uh, but I'm still, um, I've been in the game with two typical, which would have been, in my opinion, typical uh, world record whitetail. Got my ass kicked on both of them. Um, for for one guy in his lifetime to have an opportunity or just mm-hmm. one was in Illinois, one was in Iowa, just happened to be on the same piece, all the moon aligning. Um, one was on a, my own property. What's the chance of that? Huh. Um, but that's, I've, I've pretty much given up on, and that's probably not going to happen. You know, maybe it'll happen in my son's lifetime or, uh, uh, but I would have loved to, um, you know, had a, had a, held that title for at least once in, once in yeah. my life. And it's anybody. Dude, at 204 and some change, it's anybody's game, brother. Yeah, you guys yeah. can come out to Iowa and kill a buck of that caliber because they're in every state every year. They're finding sheds. They kill them with guns every year. So they're they're out there. But that's a that is the, that's the that's the record right now with a 204 inch typical. Yeah, that's your that's your your typical bull record. Uh, and that's a net score. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's a net. And dude, I got deer right here. I can put right next to Mel Johnson's freaking deer. Yeah. And actually, look probably a little more impressive. They're they're built that way. Wow. So, um, you know, so what I'm, drives you now, Andre? I mean, is it like a specific history with a deer on your property, or? I mean, I, I hunted one a couple of years here that uh, I did have some history with. It was a non typical heavy, but anything that would get me out, get me excited. Now, what drives me is um, and it's tough. Uh, I like to have my shit together in the system, but designing so many different products. Yeah. Um. There's guys that on my team now that I've known for years, good friends that have been on whitetail addictions that I've been, you know, over the years, I can count on those guys that using the product is, you know, this is jagged up or they don't tell me what I want to hear. They yeah. tell me what I need to hear. So that's, yeah. that's a real friend. So, um, I'm out testing my uh, double steps. I'm, I'm, I'm doing the new, uh, shit. I got, uh, two of the new, um, compacts with the molly hooks mm-hmm. and i literally mix two in with the molly with molly hooks now and the two older version in a four pack they're all compact sticks and i do stupid shit like that on purpose to field test so now i and i find myself wanting to use the two mo- grabbing the two mollies you know and i wish i had two more to molly so now i know that these advancements that i'm making are are better they're improvement right but we don't do any gimmicky freaking improvement shit here with um it's all gonna be efficient and functional. Yes, functional. Uh and then I'm Italian, man, so it's gotta look good. And our shit looks good. So <laughs> <laughs> right. So um but no, I would uh you guys are on the right um track. I met a kid, and what what appeals to me about most people is not there's a lot of guys who shoot a lot of big deer, there's a lot of guys. Uh I've never run into anybody that loved bow hunting more than me. I thought I thought I had the the ground floor in it and i ran into a kid when i was coming up todd pritzing from oh, michigan yeah. yeah yeah and uh 
the thing, and, and a lot of the guys that I get along with, I meet and I become friends with, they all have what I have. It's not the ability to go out and kill a lot of big deer or a lot of deer. It's the love of this fucking sport, the chase. Mm-hmm. And I met my, he was the only kid that I've met that I think probably loved whitetail hunting more than I did. Yeah. Straight school. Yeah. I mean, that kid would freaking had a gleam in his eye when, and, um, so he come from Michigan. He was a big scent lock suit user. He had, and he was starting to hunt Illinois and he had some pretty good leases and, um, got to know him there a little bit. And I, I sat him down and had a conversation with him and I told him, man, I just had to tell him the way it is. And he listened and his first year of listening, he shot a 140 something there on one of our leases and he started killing deer consistently because he got off this bullshit. Uh, what happens when you think you got the game figured out and you could beat a white tail's nose yeah. is you think you got the game figured out and you could beat a white tail's nose. Yeah. You can't fucking beat their nose. So you better bring your a game every time you're in um, and your setups need to be clean and you need to be on it's it's daunting task, man, at, at a yeah. four month long season, every morning, every evening in a different post hunting and, and going after it's 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 not easy shit. It should be an athletic freaking or a, an Olympic sport, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but once you learn and I've had other guys, you can see the light bulb goes off in their head and they figure it out and they just start getting consistent and they start getting good. Um and then they start developing, like my son is, is their own style. That uh, sure. what works for me might not work for you. And and I had a friend tell me that once before that on some of our leases, just, uh, some of these guys are going in there and thinking they can do what you and Cody do. They think they can go in there and get run all over this place. We know where to step, where not to step. We know um, some things that they probably don't. So you got to walk before you run. And if you figured something out. And it works for you. Start start going down that rabbit hole, man. It's like fishing. You know, you, you get a pattern in there. Start yeah. replicating that pattern around, and pretty soon you, you you get it figured out. So, the Hunter Podcast is brought to you by Hoyt Archery. Dude, where would we be without our Hoyt bows? Probably shooting crossbows or, or a Matthews. <laughs> yeah, one in the same. Yeah. But in all seriousness, we love being Hoyt guys because you stand out when you're in this room full of other people that shoot these other types of bows. I feel like the Hoyt guys just stick out. Dude, it's just a legit bow. I mean, especially that carbon riser, man. I mean, I I know that they've got several other aluminum lines as well. But for for me, I'm shooting that RX-5 in the carbon model. They've since come out with the RX-7. And uh, I can't tell you how much I love being a Hoyt guy amongst a sea fork of Matthews guys. So we're out there, I think, proving them wrong, shooting 80 pounds and uh, killing stuff. Hey, man, if you want to get serious, get Hoyt. So Andre, clear that up for us. So you're not afraid, like right now, it's, uh, we're filming this October 11th. You're not afraid to go and stomp around on your property. It's just when you go into the spot that you plan on killing, you have not been in that area. That So I always take it, I, I, I used to say it's called, I call it taking it too far. Okay. I would scout, especially for an evening post, I'm trying to get as close to a bed. <laughs> in October, in October, if you're not fucking right up a deer's ass, a big bucks, these, these huge deer, you could be a million, might as well be a million miles away because you're 50, 50 yards out of it. Yeah. So I got one right now that I just found. And the son of a bitch is literally living in a quarter block area. He's in there. He's bedded in there. He's hanging in there. He'll see those out of there and he'll bark at him a little bit and freaking there's some other bucks and snort ways in him, but he's staying in there and I'm on the edge. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't need to go in and bump him because I know where he's at and right. I'm trying to manipulate him coming out of it. 
and coming into it. And he's coming in right now with the moon phases shit. He's, you know, out after dark and in at, right at sunup. So um, I'm working that edge. Now it's going to, that's going to ease up. Um, as the season starts going a little further now, and now they're starting to check scrape. And you can even see on your cameras, all of a sudden now there's some yep. big uh, food pot. We got food pots on here. Haven't seen one of these big deer. I got all these pictures of these bucks on this property. Not one of them's in the food plots yet. Yep. They're living in the corn. They're living wherever the hell they're, they're bedding where they're feeding. And now they're starting to loosen up a little bit and travel out of those areas. So, so to your point, um, yes, I've walked too far on the evening post and I bumped them out of the beds. I've actually been eye to eye at two feet with huge bucks that I just made eye contact with. And they, and they literally did not bust out of there until I made eye contact. It. If I would have looked the other way and backed out, they would have stayed. stayed. And this is like a rabbit that you step on before it leaves. Mm-hmm. So these deer, more than scent than everything, are watchers. Yeah. They're, they're sighting their vision big time. And they're, they're manipulators. You hear nocturnal? I've hunted deer that turn nocturnal on and off in a day's notice too much pressure or the one day you're there. Yeah. They go nocturnal. You're not there. The farmer told that son of a bitch is out running all over at two 30 in the afternoon. Where the hell are you at? Yeah. I'm on a different farm. That's why he's out there running around. If I was at that farm, he'd probably be freaking yeah. held up again. So, uh, and to get that confidence, you're going to have to, you're going to need to put 40 years in buddy and, <laughs> and blow a lot of deals yeah. before you know it. And I really don't give a shit if I, uh, I'd rather be in the game than not. So yeah. Well, Getting back think, on the sidelines ain't the answer, you know? Well, and that's where I think, you know, a lot of people listening to this, Andre, will say, well, it's it's early October, like, I'm being super conservative, and I get not wanting to bump him, but, man, to, to you got to know where he is, and at least if there's one you even want to kill. Yeah, that's the that's the biggest thing for me. I, I As long as I know that, uh, so the one I was after initially, I don't know if he got shot during the season or whatever, and I have not had another picture of him, but this other one that moved in might be a dot more dominant deer, and that's where he is. He's bumped off to a different part of the property. So, um, like I said, there's two shooters and I'll just hunt them both, work them both as I can and, and try and get, uh, it, that's all we're doing guys. And it's as simple as this. That's all you have to do is capture one small moment in time with all the work, all the shit that it's all it takes is one slip up. So this deer maybe is in there. I could hear him in there. He's, uh, not getting up, not coming out of there enough for me. Um, one day a coyote runs through there, a pack of coyotes runs in there and bumps him out of there or something causes him to, to make that move or whatever it is. And, and I'm there and I take advantage of that, you know? So, um, normally if I bump something out of a bedding area, I, you gotta get that set in right then that day, you don't come back in and set it another day, have the stand there. So when it, you know, when the conditions are correct, the same, uh, as it is, then you can dive in you know, an hour and a half before dark and be in the game instead of trying to, um, bump monitor. So, so this is the, the bump and dump, right? Is it, I, we've obviously well, heard of this. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, so a bump and dump a lot of times will be that I don't even have a lead on a big deer or deer where they're at. And I got to go, I got to find one. So I'll be just scouting. Not, not usually intentional, right? Like you're not going in. No, 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 no. I, I, I bumped the shit out of there intentionally. And I'm, Okay. I load wood lots. I manipulate deer. I I move them around. If deer are not moving in the moon phase, is shit. That's um, the second time you've mentioned it, Andre. Can you touch on that real quick? Are you just talking about full moon? They're moving late at night, or something? Uh, full moon? Yeah, sort of. The moon phase is up to a full. Are your best probably uh, phases were out moving around active in normal feeding times toward dark, and they're um, they're active. 
Uh, some of these shitty phases are where they're not moving around. They might be moving at noon. Okay. Or completely after dark. And you're just, you got red hot sign. You're in there. You're doing all the work right. Everything's right. And you should, you're, you think you should be seeing, seeing deer. Years ago without cameras and that, people didn't know that. And I'm looking at scratching my head. What am I doing wrong? And um, it was because of that, that they're just, if deer are not moving, I have a, some properties that are so loaded with deer and you can hunt them for half a week. And you swear to God, there wasn't a deer in the property. Yeah. Because they're just not getting up moving. And a deer that's not getting up moving, you're not killing. So on those times, I'll purposely, I call it stirring the pot. Yep. I'll go kick the shit out of everything, do some major scouting, get them motherfuckers up off their feet, and then jump in a stand. And you know what? I got action and nobody else does. And you because think their deer are still bedded down because they're tidbitting around or taking it easy on them or. Yeah, and you think um, the, the I don't know about the main, but you think a, a major factor in that is the is the moon phase. Yeah, they're they're just they're just not moving. Well, okay. this time of year they're bedding where they're feeding. They're not making a big. I always call it the spokes on the wheel. They're yep. they're at the hub right now and they're staying tight to the hub. Yeah, you're out on that one of those spokes. You might as well forget about it because you ain't seeing that yeah. that deer won't be on that spoke until. You know, every third day or at two in the morning or whatever. So, well, so uh, we've talked to a lot of guys who are red moon guys, which basically just means when it's overhead or underfoot within a few hours of dawn or yeah. dusk. I mean, is that you essentially what you're looking you for? You see the hat I'm wearing? Say again? You see, oh, you yeah. see the hat I'm wearing? <laughs> yeah, I do. Okay. So, yeah, exactly what we're talking about then. Yeah, red moon. Uh, so, it's got to do, it's, it's really complicated. Uh, I know it inside and out because I've been hunting the moon phases before the moon chart was even out. It doesn't seem that complicated. I mean, we had Adam Hayes on and he explained it to us. And we're like, I, before that, I didn't understand that a red moon was just when it's overhead or underfoot within a few hours of, you know. Right. And death. I think your red on his charts is overhead and the blacks would be underfoot. But so that's yeah. your high um, movement. But there's so what you got to throw into this scenario, which gets into an advanced learning of the moon phase Help us out, man. Throw in weather yep. and you got to throw in uh the breeding because this moon phase is all about a, sure. a it's about moving for feeding um and sure. white tail that are freaking looking for does some of them ain't got feeding on their mind so they're doing some th different things so you can take that along with what you know about um um weather patterns yep. high pressure take what you know about uh, aggressive rut behavior and you got to use a mix of that that's why my son he's yeah. he understands that and he kind of leaves you know that moon phase you know he believes it, he knows it's happening but he will never let right. a moon chart stop him from going and doing what the sign is reading and going in and I, i'm the same way you are it's just part of the information you have part of the puzzle that you get to sure. is an advantage so sure um yeah you gotta you gotta start watching all of that stuff and then um and you know these guys that are rut hunters and these public land type hunters, I can go on public land in Wisconsin in a four-day period. There could be 30 of, 30 of us in there in a 40-acre plot, and they'll be even sure buck that's going to come through there, and he ain't going to give a fuck if there's 40 of us in there. He's coming no matter what, so that's the time I'm going to hunt that spot. I'm not going to sit with 40 guys or 10 guys on 40 acres in, in mid -oct or early October. That's suicide because them deer are not going to tolerate a lot of shit. Yeah. Um, I've walked up to deer with a bow in my hand almost that I couldn't get anywhere near early season that fucking wanted to kill me. Yeah. <laughs> I almost almost yeah. put an arrow on the ground. So when in Rome, do as Roman. So you got to change up. Yeah. Uh, 
Well, Andre, mm-hmm. what what do you say to those guys? Because we've obviously got a ton of mixed opinions on the moon. It's one of the most highly debated things. Like, what what do you say to somebody other than locus on my wall? Because how can you argue with? Oh, that? I don't give a shit if you don't follow the moves. Matter of fact, I hope you don't follow the move if you're, if you're yeah. my neighbor. Yeah, yeah. Or you're no, I get the same it. Piece around me. I don't give a shit if you understand it or not. I'm saying I learned that early on on my own. I never read it. I never seen it. I was a field edge hunter, and I'm a real. Ob- observationist i'm like a big whitetail i sit back and i watch yeah. and i read what's going on and adam hayes is the same type of guy he he'll sit and he'll he'll look before he moves and he'll he'll make a move so just like i get into a spot i read the sign and i know these deer are coming out of there and i move in for a kill close and i never see the, any deer yeah. and then i move back and they still they're still doing the same thing so i sit back and i watch and these son of a bitches are coming through there but when I go down there, they see me. They're on a freaking mountain watching me. And I don't know if you ever had it happen. A dominant deer will see you oh, yeah. from the bottom, and he'll bark at you, and he'll start freaking growling at you. And uh, I had a friend out here who said, what the hell is that? I said, that's that goddamn buck that's living on top of that mountain. I can't get anywhere near that son of a bitch, and he fucking sees us down here right now. You say he'll, he's start, telling me, he'll start barking huh? at you? Yeah, he'll freaking growl at you. It lets you know that fucking you're in my house now. This is I'm, I'm the dominant guy. No, I've never uh, heard that. And I'm like, you know. I'm whipping the bird, and my buddy's laughing his ass off. He's, what are you doing? I said, I'm fucking flipping this fucker off because he's uh, he's got us. He's got us beat right now. So never did get that sucker bait us. Never did get him. Could never get in on that mountain to hunt him in the morning. He was a, literally like a goat on the side of a cliff. Um. So you you keep trying to find you know some some deer are unkillable. Yeah. Um. Those are your challenging one, and some just roll over. Yeah. And play dead. Now this bullshit of these deer on these big pieces are are freaking like tame pets or freaking that's just yeah if you think that you don't know whitetail at all yeah no doubt a mature deer even a year and a half old deer that gets hammered heavy too gets yeah. they turn and elk the same thing you think they're easy when they get hunted they get it's not that they get smart they get the reactions and they know how to they know how to beat the game get the hell out of dodge so no doubt um, so i'm trying to think of that are there ever any pieces that were really a a cakewalk and i don't know and I might probably my own enemy too. So I'm not, I'm not keeping my land as a sanctuary. Yeah. I'm not keeping food plots in that we could easily hunt off of. Yeah. My food plots are to hold animals and to uh, for maintain a rack row. Um. So and I like a challenge. So, dude, I'll kick a deer up out of his bed and I'll piss in it. And let him know I'm coming. You know. So. Yeah. Well, dude, I think that's one of the things that people find so like you know mystifying about the lone wolf is like how how can you be so aggressive with your strategies, but also, you know, I sense that you're acknowledging that some of these things just aren't, aren't killable or they're, they're super smart. So it's like, man, how do you, what are some things you could share with us to, to, to walk that line of aggressively, carefully hunting, you know, a big mature buck? Confidence, brother. Yeah. <laughs> I got enough confidence for everybody in the room. Fucking, I just, um, I know what I know. Uh, and I know if something like, if I go in and set up on something and, and a deer don't show, and the moon's right and everything's right and I know it's right and you don't show it. I know it's nothing I did. And I just think of what could have been. Did a coyote bump them? Did somebody else, some other hunter bump them? Yeah. Something changed the pattern that I read. I never think that I fucking read it wrong. I always think I, I get it 100%. And I've, I've done that. I've done it in the Northwoods where I could literally go scout, set up, be able to kill a buck, leave, scout, set up, kill a buck. And I could just do it setup after setup after setup that's why i don't get it if a guy just wants to kill a goddamn deer 
that should be easy if it's not one year after. That's if you're just looking for like a deer to shoot. Right. Uh, but here you want to get make it interesting. Then go after the certain deer that's on maybe living on that public or that one animal you want to kill. Now, you know, I've done that with a ton of guys on private land, and I come out with a deer, and they don't. And we're hunting. You know, I'm hunting that specific deer. If I just want to go shoot 125, 125, 140-inch animal, um, I'll just go scout out buck sign, right. jump on it, and shoot the damn deer when it comes through, you know. Right. Right. Um, but I'm not, you know, I'm not out for that right now. I'm, I'm still filming for whitetail addiction. I'm still looking to – now it's uh, – I've still – I like that net Boone and Crockett. I know 200 inches is the big um, buzz phrase now. Um but I think a net 170 deer is as big as they get, man. It's um, it's an impressive animal. Um, most of mine are normally four and a half, five and a half years old. If you've made it four and a half, five and a half years old in in the whitetail woods, you're you're doing pretty good, you know. So yeah, I'm starting with gross. I shot my first gross. He was 170 even last year in Ohio. That's, that's as big as they get, brother. Actually, a 150 inch cage, depending upon how it how it how it lays is it's a it's a it's a damn good animal yeah and i don't know if you know so you shot you did you did you have a chance to see the deer before it came in and or did it all happen quick oh yeah i saw him. okay so i don't know if it happened that way but well i didn't here's how I well let me say this andre i had a, i had one series of pictures of him uh mm -hmm. maybe a week before oh, so you already had uh yeah yeah, he was passing by, and I was kind of like, not a giant frame. He's like 18 and a half inside, but he's a main frame 12 with double split brows. Oh, yeah. And yeah. so you're built for scoring. And yeah. uh, when I saw him in person, this is the advantage of trail cameras, I instantly recognized him. So he, he popped out. It was November 3rd, 4.30 in the afternoon, popped out on a food plot, and he's, you know, he's looking right through Okay, me. so let me ask you this. So that one doesn't have that intense cage, but did when you first, when he first popped out, did you see a deer or did you see a rack? Think about it a minute. <laughs> did I see a deer or did I see a rack? Mm -hmm. Yeah. What did you what did see you, first? When you first seen that deer, what was, did you instantly see just a fucking rack coming or did you see a deer coming saw, and then look and see the rack? I saw a deer coming. Okay. So that's because you got an 18 inch inside spread. Yeah. Like you said, it's built <laughs> to score. I'm going to tell you when you see a shooter, when you see a freaking rack and you got to look to find a deer underneath it. <laughs> You got yourself a freaking well, dandy. Well, that's how buddy. that eight point's gonna be. I've got a, that's... I've got a, I've got about a hundred sixty inch eight point that I'm yeah, hoping go. to so, catch up with. Yeah. So I got a, I got a hundred and seventy four inch eight. That's on. I, I moved it into my living room because my buddy said you got to put that in there. It's next to hundred and eighty inch uh, typicals. Them, they were so impressive until that eight pointer got put right next to them. <laughs> now they look like little bitches in the in the room next to them. So yeah, well that's that, that, that's why I'm always afraid to take mine to the taxidermist, dude, because I know guys are killing giants. giants. And when I take my 18 and a half inch spread, you know, 12 point down there that I'm all jacked off about, um, you know, he he's got a, a three or four other 180, 190 inch bucks that have been killed that day. And I'm like, uh, yeah, cool mm -hmm. guys. <laughs> so back in the late 80s, uh, somebody had, uh, or I think it was. Cabela's or somewhere they had a display and there was a the world record eight pointer. It was actually a nine point deer, yep. twenty eight inches inside spread. Jesus, uh, beams the size of my biceps. It was the most impressive, monstrous cage that you'd ever seen in your life. And it, and just the tines were like bats, but there wasn't a lot of them. Yeah. I'm the, I'm so that's impressive, but I'm a I'm a Mister Clean. 
typical 12 boy. I'm just thinking of you, bastard. You got a 12 point. I love 12 point yeah. typical. I'm going to text you a picture of them. Yeah. I love a, a clean typical 12 and just stacked in there. And I, and the one that I hunted would have been, I would have put them at 215. Mm. That typical um, was a typical 12. And uh, the, uh, the last times out were literally 10 inch long. The thing was just freaking built. 10 inch long G5s? Yes. Oh you could, and the one God. side, and it was a goofy rack because one side they were all even. Yeah. You could put a board across them all. And the other side, they were all curved, but no one wanted to know about scoring. It don't matter. It had everything it needed on both sides clean. Probably a 19 inch wide. Mm. Not a big cage, but like a picket fence, man. Just, yeah. just built the store and shit. And yeah. uh, nobody, ever ki- nobody ever killed that deer. Nobody ever found the sheds. Um, Isn't that crazy to you, Andre? I mean, you, you think about deer like that and how like it just vanishes. Like no, you just, who knows what happened to it? I think some of these deer of that caliber uh, get poached. I think there's still guys out that don't have loose lips. Hmm. Uh, I've heard rumors. Of, we talk about, you know, these guys are trying to, you know, who the, who's the best hunter and all yeah. that shit. Yeah. Nobody knows. Who the, the best hunter's probably coming up. He's some young kid just, just getting started. But there was rumor of a guy who had four 200-inch net typicals under his belt. And nobody has ever seen his fucking deer during his basement. Huh. The only guy that seen the deer was a, a high school friend that they grew up all their lives together. And they're sitting in some guy's basement somewhere. And if it's a true story, yeah, it's a pretty impressive fucking hunter there. No, well, I mean, you assume he, if it is a true story, it's because he doesn't want anybody to know where he's hunting. And if they know well, him, they know where he's hunting. Yeah, guess what? I got on a piece of ground that probably I think he took some of them because this thing had world-class freaking deer at his property. Hmm. And then I learned some stuff about that too. Now what produces world-class deer, because um, there are things that for, there are properties that produce these world-class deer that I've had privy to that are no different than the properties up the road or next to them. So it's all got to do with high protein mm-hmm. minerals and things of that nature and my and i believe now so when i was coming up when you guys were there were not our state record was 177 dude <laughs> state record bow kill 177 you know how many 177 bucks are shot now <laughs> with bow a year in these states a lot <laughs> um i believe a lot of deer got out of pens and genetics have got mixed into nationwide i believe it 100 <laughs> percent. that's where that we, we're getting the caliber and don't get me wrong management has a lot to do with it yeah really lot to do with it but i still think there's um there's some of them genes that were were it absolutely does happen dude i have a good buddy that shot uh a buck that got out a couple Mm -hmm. years ago in meadville pennsylvania they talk about it all the time yeah and he knew the the record not yeah two of the world record non-typicals were were penned deer they were just out in a while for two years or you're kidding um, and they're in the book now no you can't you can't put them in the book i don't know if they ever made it to the book or not but you yeah i don't think you can well, I don't know if it was fair chase. I don't know how that works with with that part of it, but um, I can't be right. It can't have ever been in a high. Well, fence. I mean, yeah, I don't know. No, this guaranteed this deer was. A matter of fact, it was funny because there was a YouTube thing on. A guy had a picture of a two hundred inch buck that he shot, and somebody else showed a picture two years earlier with a tag in that deer's freaking ear and getting a mm. game farm. So, well, that how that killed, happened? Got killed one in Kansas last year that got out of a pen. It was giant. He killed it yeah. during bow season or something. Yeah. And it, it probably got a two and a half, 
it's probably a two and a half year old three hundred squat. Yeah. Well, see, exactly. I mean, that's 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 kind of that whole point of like, you know, shoot whatever you want to shoot, but like. You know, a lot of the guys, you know, they don't care if it's a five-year-old 125 or a two-year-old 125. And it's 125 they kill it. That's Eberhardt's yeah. model. Yeah. Well, I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm kind of one of those guys either. So a lot of guys are about age of a buck. Mm-hmm. But you're talking 125 shit, okay? Yeah. I get a 190-inch typical buck that comes on me, and I know he's two and a half years old for for sure. He's getting a fucking arrow on it. I, I just, that's just. It's just the way it's going to go down. I ain't yeah. waiting for the 190. Yeah. Because 99% of the time, you won't make it. If I show you some of the deer that I've passed and let, trying mm-hmm. to trying to make it to another year. Uh, we had a conversation about this with some other friends that are pretty serious hunters. And the harder we work at trying to grow or produce a, a, a big animal, it just don't work. You, yeah. It, it, everything's got to line up. It's nature that lines up. You can do all, you know, you can do an aid and help, but. You know, I don't know. You just can't do it unless you're. There's in a too penalty. many too many factors you can't control. Right, and that's what it comes down to. You know, yeah, I can, you're, shoot, I can you're shooting you're shooting a two year a two a, a one ninety two year old. You'd shoot it. Yes. I don't think so. I like that. Hands hands down. No way on hands your down. property. Yeah. What do you think? My you know how many <laughs> you know how many my neighbors kill the big deer on my properties that wander off. Yeah. They don't make it. Matter of fact, uh, that was the other thing about. Uh, you're bashing on guys that own properties and manage deer. Mm-hmm. I think everybody on a piece of public land should go thank the neighbors no next shit, to their dude. Piece of land. No, that's where those that's where those deer are coming from, brother. No 100%. shit, man. I mean, the fact that we invest how much money and resources and time into growing those deer, we can't. We, we don't have fences up. They're gonna yeah. walk right over oh. onto your public land. And when I moved into some spots in Wisconsin. Nobody's ever killed a Pope and Young on adjacent property to property I, I bought. In Iowa, borderline shit. My lease is in Illinois. These guys come over and say, matter of fact, I got to thank you for an email the other day. <laughs> he shot a 187-inch mainframe eight that grew up from this property, from the management we did. And he's killed big deer every year because he's getting spill off. Jeez. So well, I'm managing because I, I just like to manage. My bar is higher, but... Yeah. I don't give a shit if he shoots the one, you know, and when guys come hunting with me too, I say that all the time. And man, if you want to kill the first one for you, that comes out. I hope you kill that thing and get the hell out of here and let, let the big one for me. I don't want you chasing around yeah. the 190, you know? So, well, dude, that's, um, that's the unfortunate nature. Like, and it's not the fault of any public land hunters, but in its very nature, it's, it's a taking thing. Like it's just mm-hmm. there for us to be able to hunt. There is no way to contribute from a, a management standpoint no. other than not care. shooting something. Ooh. And 100%, I never rag on anybody shooting a 125 on no, a public No, no, senor. No. I had a guy, I was so pissed off, I almost popped this fucker. Um, we were at a registration station, this was back in the day. Do you see Andre's hat, by the way? You missed this. We, we had a whole discussion, and you missed it. Oh, jeez. <laughs> well, this kid comes in with his first deer, it's a tiny little freaking buck. Uh, all happy to hell, you know, a few guys patting him on back, and this idiot comes in with this four by four jacked to the freaking ceiling, huge mutters, big buck killer fucking on his uh, front <laughs> grill. And he's got this and he starts ripping us and he's got a, a bigger buck on his hood. And I, I literally says, what the fuck are you bragging on him for? What that little piece of shit you got on your hood for? It was a tiny freaking buck. Also, what are you ragging at this kid for? Cause you know what? My biggest buck, your biggest buck, is somebody else's little rag buck. So you better yeah. be careful of ragging on anybody. And if enjoy the sport, man. Kill some deer, get some under your belt. 
uh, before you start holding out for world-class beer. That's, yeah, that's not a good, good recipe, man. And I'm going to tell you the, the peer pressure now. Oh, it's crazy. Guys must feel with this youth, with this, with this, uh, social media. Yeah. It's not like the, it seems like everybody else is out there killing big deer, but you, there's millions of bow hunters out there and there's a lot of men getting shit. So it's just, yeah, so it's tough, that lane, you know, and don't get, don't get all ruffled from that shit. And uh, who's the best, this and best that, um, um, well, I mean, it's the instant thing. I mean, if you see any of these social, normally, unless it's a giant, somebody says, you know, it wasn't the big, my biggest, or, you know, I, I, I was trying to hunt a bigger one, but you know, this one will do, yeah. or it's the first thing is a defense. Always some kind of excuse. Yeah, yeah. no, don't, man. I was, you know, if you don't have the biggest, I would say if, if you don't have, uh, uh, a bigger one that you want to drop or do you want to set your bar for? Go for the biggest one on your property. What I used to hunt for too is um, I want to hunt the biggest prick on my property. There are huge whitetail that are gentile beasts that are not aggressive. They're just yeah like cattle out there. That doesn't piss me off. I want that cocky son of a bitch that thinks he owns that fucker that was growling at me on that mountaintop. That's the son of a bitch I want to put an arrow to, you know? He's <laughs> like, I want a buck I, I can relate to. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so instead of him pissing on my freaking stand sites, I go piss on his stand site, you know. But, uh, <laughs> and it's and they have personalities like that, dude. I'm telling you, somebody's oh, white yeah. dog. Um, well, I mean, that's like, the cool thing about the cameras. You talked about Cody not using them. Uh, that's one of the things we talked about earlier is that, like, man, from, like, just camera intel, you can tell which of these bucks that you could buck roar at or whatever or snort wheeze, and he's coming in. Just get a sense for the personality, yeah. Yeah. Especially camera. Well, here's the, video here's the problem with cameras. So I own a camera, mm-hmm. obviously, so I don't want to bash cameras, but uh, – and we're going to be coming out with some cell technology. Is the double-edged sword working to camera um, – you can make it your worst nightmare. I think he did that. He started, uh, I got some guys that have cameras. They check them every freaking day or check them. Yeah. They're in too much. The deer are patterning them. Um, it's a tool and it's an, I, I'm not going to say they should be outlawed, but I'm going to say it's, it's freaking almost unethical to use cameras. Yeah. It's, I don't years ago, I spent two, three weeks before the season, just glass and patterning deer and shit. Yeah. You can go set a camera out. Mm-hmm. Uh, the week before, know everything that I never even freaking known in in just a clip, yeah. but it's it's legal and I'm using it. I use them to my advantage, and I sure. and I and I love them. It's um right, uh, just to know, not shoot one that you don't want is huge. Right. Well, that's it's, like you it's, were it's saying. huge from a management standpoint. You, it, so when you asked me if I had seen that deer before, I mean, the fact that I didn't have to age that deer on the hoof. Uh, or even like know that he was a shooter. Yes, you saw exactly. Yeah. You, get, many, you can be ma- committed. Many three-year-olds have made it past because I didn't have to age them on a hoof. I knew who they were. I'd had pictures right. of them. I knew, and so I recognized them. And it's a lot easier to recognize mm-hmm. a deer than it right. is to try to age them on a hoof. Mm-hmm. So now you're ruined. You've been bit by the bug. Oh, yeah. That's probably why, not, that's why you're wandering out here now in, in freaking Iowa. You're looking for another 170. I know you are. Well, we're going back to Kansas this year. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, it's. Yeah, that's what turns. That's what trips your trigger. That's what you should do, man. Oh, dude, we're yeah. all, we're all in, man. I mean, you talk about oh, wow. yeah, you talk Go about wild, like wild. connected with people who love bow hunting. I mean, that's why we do the podcast. You know, what I mean, it's 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 fun to you know learn tips and tactics, and that's all great. No, but we like, just love the we bow just hunt. love connecting <laughs> with people who share the passion that we do because we just get eight yeah. eight up talking about it. Yeah. It's crazy, isn't it? I mean, I don't know what it it's is. awesome. Dude. Well, do we say all the time we're like, dude, what? 
if people aren't bow hunting, it's like, what, what, what are you doing? Well, I mean, that's why <laughs> we have so many different, I mean, we hunt Pennsylvania, Ohio, Kentucky, Kansas. It's because like, if I shoot a buck and tag out, like I can't be done. Next state. Like I got, I got to keep going. Next like, I don't want to, I don't want to sit on the bench. Keep the going. The Stack them up. I wish I would have got onto that earlier in my career. I wish I would have went over to Illinois because yeah, yeah. it was a tough nut in Wisconsin with the amount of hunters. And the Absolutely, pressure. man. Um, you know what? Well, you just mentioned something. I'm trying to think now. I'm, I might embarrass myself here. I'm trying to think if I have a friend that doesn't hunt. Yeah. I don't think I do. Who the hell do I know that doesn't hunt? We call, that, we call those acquaintances. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Man, I don't even have an acquaintance that doesn't hunt. Yeah. I mean, it, it is a oh, tough Landowners thing. and I mean, stuff. It, it's even you like. You go to a wedding. You yeah. go to a wedding and you find out some other hunter and you go sit. Frick, oh, and yeah. Then you guys oh, are dude, dude, you're done. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> For like pulling out my phone. Like, hey, look at this one. Is yeah. she going to say hello to the groom? No, he don't hunt. Yeah. yeah. The Hunter Podcast is brought to you by Stealth Cam. Dude, where would we be without our cell cams? I would definitely be divorced at this point. <laughs> yeah, I hear that. I mean, the fact is, is I spent more time checking cameras than I actually did hunting prior to cell cameras. Now, at least, my wife can enjoy me being in the comfort of my own home, buried in my phone, checking those pictures. Yeah, 100%. And, dude, when it comes to uh, trail cameras and definitely cell cameras, reliability is, I think, the number one thing that we're looking for. Stealth Cam just has a long reputation of reliable cameras, and ultimately, that is the most important thing to us. They have to work. In terms of reliability, there's not a better camera on the market than Stealth Cam, whether you're talking about the Fusion X, the Reactor, or the DS4K Transmit. And most of them are under 200 bucks. SouthCam.com. Check them out. Well, and I mean, I think it's it also goes back to like <clears throat> when you set yourself and you set your bar high and you love bow hunting. Like, I don't mind if I don't shoot something this year as long as I'm just in the chase all freaking year. That's all I care about. I just want to be good. chasing that's, all year. That's, that's good that you're like that. I'm not. I'm. I'm the opposite. I like to. Even now that I, I don't have enough stuff big enough to top my top bar, I like to kill um, a decent one at least every year. Sure. It's just, just the way I am. And um, if I look back, there's only one year in, I don't know if I, if there's been 40 years probably bow hunting that I've not killed a deer that year. Oh, interesting. And it was, it was because I gave it up for my 14-year-old daughter, and she shot a 152 last eight and that was my trophy for the year and i did it mine but when you're in this business uh like i mean you go to shows and you guys are bullshitting about telling stories and that they expect it's you really to nice it. to have i'm a narcissist man i like to tell yeah stories yeah and, shit too. and uh it's nice to have something under your belt to, well, yeah. to talk about but i don't need to kill another deer there's a lot of guys out there that don't um so i kind of like I, I like to look around for like one net 170s is kind of my goal try and find okay and then i'll, I'll just that's what i'm gonna hunt for this year and then yeah. in case some other world class shit runs you know comes about but um and you guys are in the right you're doing the right thing you know kansas is the mecca center for big deer right now oh hell yeah man um, it's still it's sh- getting it's getting overrun a little bit i mean because it was yeah, it will get it was an over every year, draw. Last year yeah. yeah and now it's like every other maybe yeah but, but it, think about kansas yeah. there's guys um Taking 180 inch bucks out of there that are, to me, they're not. That's a trophy to most guys, but they're really just. It's just a 180. Maybe an average deer that got to five and a half years old. That's they're, exactly they're, it. Yeah. Nobody, genetics. They got a bunch of garbage that add up to that one, yeah, 180. Yeah. They got a lopsided one side or whatever. Mm-hmm. And guys, 
guys eat that up. So, well, check um, this out, Andre. What's one of the things that's so great about living in Pennsylvania is like, yeah, it would be great to have easier access to Iowa deer or Kansas deer, but right. um, the fact that the fact that we get to go out there and hunt some 170, 180, 190 inch deer and then come back and show that off to, <laughs> to our friends here, oh, it's, yeah. like, it's like it's I can't, can't believe it. Yeah. Why aren't you guys in Ohio? That's close. I am. Oh, yeah, That's where are. my family farm's at. I spend most of my oh, time. Oh man, in Ohio is. I'm That's telling you that. I texted it yeah. to you. That's where I shot that buck last yeah. year. I chased yeah, the 200 plus in in Columbus last year. We're not far. We're half year. hour from the line, yeah. so we're not we're not far. We spend a lot of time in Ohio. Jeremy's got a, a new farm in Ohio. Yep, new farm in Southern. I chased I chased a giant like 210, 215 in Columbus oh, last man. year. I, I can't. What's in the water over there? What are they doing there? That I don't know, right man. There? I mean, it, it, to be honest, they're doing all the wrong things. Like you can bait. bait. <laughs> I mean, yeah. over the counter think, tags are cheap so, as hell. Do you think the one deer limit though is huge? Mm. To help it. Maybe. What do you mean? Well, because like you only get one, you can kill multiples. Well, yeah. You only kill one deer. If you're if you live in Ohio, one deer. You get one deer with a gun or a bow. You don't get to shoot one. Iowa and Illinois, you can kill multiples. So, what is your question? Would killing multiples help it? No. No. One is that they can't kill. That was driving that. That's that's part of it. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, you know, Wisconsin, in Iowa. I can go gun hunting and I can have seven, I can fill seven buck tags. if I have seven friends that have Bella tags. Damn. And that shit's going on and that's got to wear on them. Oh, yeah. oh, it's terrible. Sure. I mean, dude, the I biggest mean, thing that's affecting the state of Ohio is corn piles. Yeah, baits. If we get rid of corn piles, it, it would be one of the best states out there. It's not just if killing, it's not, it's not just killing big deer. It's killing the future big deer. Those two and three year olds that are dumbasses at 140, 150 are getting shot like And crazy. the big ones. I mean, do they all... Late but season. you're right. But yeah, but they all get killed off in things. Yep. Yep. Yeah. If they took away corn piles in Ohio, you would, you would kill giants every year. Yeah, for sure. They should do a study in a, in a, take a county. We've, we've got a good buddy from uh Coshocton, Ohio, uh, Ben rising. He has the white tail edge. Yep. And, uh, I mean, well, dude, kill some, I mean, He's a big buck. Seems killer. like he, his, his number is four. He kills four giants every year in like, yeah. a, in a, in like a 10 day period. <laughs> And he's, uh, one of those, he's one of those guys. If you're white on the woods, you want to get the hell out. You want to yeah, get out. No of there. doubt. Give it up. No doubt. Put the rack off and hand it over. Yeah. Yeah. We've had a lot of conversations with Ben about what, what corn piles have done in Ohio. And, and I mean, it's, I think his opinion is, is a pretty, um, is pretty strong in, in our book, you know? And, and so I don't know, I don't know how you advocate to, 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 to do something mm-hmm. like that. And even if it was made illegal, it's like, how, how do you enforce something that's mm-hmm. been legal and people, it's so ingrained in people's hunting. Yeah, yeah, not, you can't stop it. Um, it's a culture. It's um, I think because of uh, EHD, I think they banned uh, Wisconsin in a lot of areas. And then um, yeah, I was my, a buddy of mine from way up north, and he was just putting some bait out. And I said, I thought Wisconsin was shut complete the bait. He's no, that's that's just in them southern counties. Southern still, counties, yeah, yeah. They're still baiting with beets up there and all that. And um, well, I mean, like the I think in Wisconsin, the Ernabuck has been the one that's kind of done that one in. Ernabuck, yeah. yeah. I mean, because some of these guys are just, like you said, you're just acquiring more and more tags, you know, when you're oh, shooting those and stuff. I had a friend one year, they uh, they gave <laughs> unlimited doe tags uh, out. I had a pretty nice little piece I owned there. I, I bought a, what the hell was it? It was a 10-acre parcel or something in the middle of a some beautiful area there. And uh, he showed me his trophy for the year. Seven adult does on a, a meat pole. 
the next year he's crying to me to want to come and hunt my property because he's he's got, he's no, got deer. no deer to hunt. <laughs> I said, you are not getting on this fucking property. Crazy. Pay man. the price. Pay the price for your freaking evilness for the one year now. Go yeah. look for a damn deer that's still you know, uh, and not a good management way no. to do it. Taking all the deer out of one spot like that, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is, but um, what what do you think about Illinois now, Andre? As far as uh, just quality, Illinois is still producing some tanks. Yeah, um, it, it, that's another thing too. There's something in the soil or something in the um, <laughs> genetics that's just they produce some tanks. So when I used to do the classics years ago, you'd go to the deer classics and everybody bring their their deer heads in, and you'd have Wisconsin would have three full aisles of Pope and Young plus whitetail. Then you'd go to, um, but they're all Pope and Young class deer. Then you go to Illinois and they only got like one aisle and they're all just, just giants. So it's like less volume, less hunters running in and registering them, uh, bigger deer, you know, Wisconsin, everybody was into scoring and, and it, they'd shoot up everybody runs to the classic and, and, and put it in. So there, we had a bigger volume of trophies. And I think what happened in, in years in Wisconsin is that trophyism took over. Guys started raising the bar and look at the, the world-class shit coming out of Wisconsin. Now, every state's producing just phenomenal yeah. deer out of the state. So your comment on the record book thing is, I think is interesting. It's, it's almost like the social media has kind of taken the place of the record book in terms of, in terms of the notoriety, like we, we obviously have still have the same scoring system from Boom and Crockett and Pope, well, to Pope uh, yeah, you know? I mean, but nobody's checking their bucks in. You know, they're well, taking and it and saying, "Hey, I got a 175 inch gross. I scored it myself, and here it is." On that's Facebook. what I was going to say when when we were talking about these guys who are like the unknown big buck killers, right? They're not in the fucking book. Yeah, they don't. Right. They're not turning in their deer. So yeah, like the only like if I look at the records, which I was, I was looking at the Boone and Crockett records the other day. It's like okay, this guy's got four in there. Yeah, he's a good hunter, but that's just because he's submitted the four. I'm sure there's a better right. hunter out there that's killed more deer. They're just not submitting uh, Dude, shit. even my attitude is almost just like, I would be anti-book. I'd be like, I don't want this thing in the book. Like, it's, yeah, this is well, my yeah. deer. Like, I'm not putting it in the book. It's anti So when I had that one buck, uh, um, I scored that deer within uh, within a half an inch of what the... So when you when you get a, a deer that's in the top in the state, it gets it has to get panel scored. Yeah. So you get one from Pope and Young, one from Boone and Crockett. And then one from your state organization. That's a conservative. Nobody wants to give anybody anything or any little extra shit. So it's a conservative score. You're not going to get what you get from some private guy, maybe, or whatever. And uh, there was a burr on the main beam of that one. And I scored it. And if I went up uh, low and around on it, I, I beat the state record. If I go high on it, I miss it by a little bit. And I'm watching these guys. I'm sweating this out. And I'm watching them score. And then. There's the one guy and he's bouncing back and forth on this little spur. <laughs> and the main guy is watching. I'm looking at this guy and he goes, nope. And he goes, takes the fucking shit road. And I'm like, damn it. You know, it's just lost it. It's nature to be. So there's a lot of, uh, um, that going on. And, uh, I never really was one out to go score my deer. People came. Sure. Official scores. And you got to share that with, uh, the public and then, yeah. I don't know if it was, I was too cheap to even spend the 25 bucks on the, on the thing back then or what it was. But um, so I put a lot of those in because I was approached to have those scored because they were top deer in the state. So mm-hmm. uh, gotcha. Which for me sense. to score, yeah. this, I can score deer. I know all of, you know, the loopholes of the different uh, things on that. Um, 
in the one buck that was scored, if you go according to their their rules and regulations, it's a typical tying on the on the deer that um, um, that was scored that would have made that number two in that state. But they just this common base shit. Um, well, it's subjective. That's what it comes what, down what to. Is the, that? The, the, yeah, it? and it shouldn't be subjective. It should be it's, exactly. It's in the book. Well, and that's if it where leans forward. Yep, king the a king buck. On the other side, yep, the king buck back. from Wisconsin got the same thing. Like it could, it should have been a new world record, and it got hit with this common base, basically two times. If they share what seems to be a webbed base, now one's non-typical, the other one's oh, typical, boy. and it blows it up. Oh wow! That's it blows the score. Yeah, but if you if you saw it in half along the main beam, it fig, it's got a figure eight. Absolutely, and all these things that that constitute it. But the, here's the thing that, um they shouldn't be able to it's a political deal now it's all bullshit you That's know it. One guy my buddies my buddies get the good scores you know my my enemies get tossed out type of shit it's just mm. not um well the problem is is one scorer could look at that and score it and say yep new whatever typical state record another scorer could come in and say yeah common base and it won't even rank in the top 20. yeah that's why you gotta you gotta have a uh Seem, no, yeah. seems like there should be a difference in uh like so if you have your main beam it, let's say it's like four and a quarter inches around on e on either side or, mm -hmm. or or whatever maybe one's a quarter inch bigger seems like that webbing should have to have a degree of differentiation from this so to be considered it should it shouldn't subjective. be subjective it is so it well, that, that's your that's subjective. your problem it's like hey if this if this webbing constitutes an additional you know 35 that would require them to and, change the rules and they won't do it well that's not, nobody's putting our bucks in her fix the rules i get it man <laughs> i get it yeah so there's there's little there's little nooks and crannies where a lot of people understand there's the uh the main beam rule that you can't have a bigger you can't get a bigger wider spread measurement if the yeah. main beam is shorter there's all kinds of you know that you could take a brow tine you can measure it up the front or you can measure it out the back and you can take the biggest of the two scores hmm. um with that webbing deal um you can draw a line straight through and um yeah uh there's an advantage to that that there could be too so um i don't know it's to me i know what trips my trigger i know yeah what i get on the ground what i like on the wall and um, um you know yeah. like I, when i see a deer come out and i see a rack and then i gotta make uh i hunted a buck that was 250 it was a day if it was an inch and i literally hundreds of yards through open hardwoods was looking at the spur in the base of the brow tine. That's what I focused in on the heart. I'm looking at them like, what the frick is that? And all of a sudden, this freaking bush just turned. Jesus. It was like a typical 14 with stickers out every time, the most beautiful. I'm not into non-typicals, but when they're typical non-typicals, yeah, that's a nice looking buck and shit. And it was just nice unbelievable that there's even something like that could be out in a while. Well, you know? that's what so, I was gonna say, Andre. I mean, how freaking incredible is it that that deer is like they're out there. Well, dude, just the deer they are exist. out there. I say that all the time out on my farm. I'm like, how crazy is this? Do these things live out here? Yeah. Like, they're just out here. Yeah. Well, with all of us chasing them around with these freaking sharp points. <laughs> yeah. sticks. So, oh, shit. No, That's it's, uh, yeah, it's enjoy the sport. It's a great life. Um, and just uh, when you get eaten up it's so quick, you're waiting for fall. You enjoy fall. And the, the years will just keep going by and by, man. So you only get I don't have as many hunts left. Well. So I did in my, in my my tank, but I'm gonna enjoy them. You know, I got some grandkids coming up, and uh, um, my niece's phenomenal little bull hunter. I'm gonna probably try and take her under my wing, and um, 
shooting a recurve on a lone wolf stand on a pole. Uh, I bet it was a 10 yard shot. She, she was shooting at a wolf target, hit a quarter like five times in a row. I'm like, damn. At first I thought it had to be freaking luck and shit. And I'm like, that's just amazing that, uh, so maybe someone should take her under her wing and, and yeah. see if she, you don't like to kill stuff though. That's the problem. You know? Yeah. yeah. Uh, you oh. saw, you saw hunt with a recurve at all? No, I, I hung up my recurve. You, you ever see the show Deliverance where the guy's oh, yeah. drawing on it? And he's, that's me with a recurve. <laughs> I don't ever want to have a 200-inch typical standing there with a recurve in my hand. I'd crumble. Uh, <laughs> so yeah. I take my hats off those guys because that's a – Yeah. Um, I've, thought, a true, I've, I've thought about it. Yeah. Yeah. I and, just, and I did too. I was Matter of fact, I was actually going to um, – because we're I'm shooting some slower caliber deer now with these broadheads. I was ready to grab a recurve just to – to make it interesting too. And I tore my rotator cuff this year. So, mm. um, I tried to pull a recurve just the once and it, no, it wasn't going to work out. No so. good. Yeah. Yeah. Compound yeah. 54 pound compound. I can get back and, and, and deliver. So, um, so are you going to be hunting mainly your property this year then, or are you still, I'm hoping to get to Ohio this year and back to Illinois. Okay. There you go. Um, so I, and I'm, I'm really excited about Ohio cause I like new ground. I like the, Mm-hmm. scout and, and learn new shit because i'm getting to know all these obviously properties pretty much in, inside now you know but um can i ask vaguely north south east or west part of ohio uh and if and you're gonna think i'm lying to you but uh, i'm going with a friend and i don't even know exactly where it was and i actually you know in on a lease i should know where it's at or been looking at the pictures already i don't give a shit i'm just gonna go <laughs> yeah. uh old school man i'm gonna get down there and have a ball and yeah out and hunt uh, Dude, I, but I got- there are there's a big deer there. So I, I gotta yeah. say, man, I, I, I don't know if it was the lone wolf podcast or something that I heard Cody talking about his, like, uh, not using cameras and stuff for, you know, mm-hmm. going old school. And it's, I, I definitely, it's I definitely can understand the appeal. Yeah. I get okay, it. So he was doing it because, um, not for the appeal that we're talking about now that you'd make it a more challenge. Yeah. It was costing him deer. He was thinking, yeah. See, when you, and I have some guys that are like that now, you cannot, and it's hard if you're not getting pictures on your camera, yeah. you think that there's not a deer there, dude, you cannot count on them getting, I had cameras out all over this property early for three weeks. I think it was, um, wasn't getting any good ones. And then right across from my house, there was a bachelor group of six bucks that were all bigger than every other buck that was on every camera. That I never even seen for three weeks on camera. So, dude, I, I bet you. Corn. I'll bet you today, Andre. That is one of the biggest culprits of big deer not getting killed. Yeah, we just you just yeah. don't hunt when they're not on camera. Yeah. I'm I'm We're guilty. guilty of it. I'm guilty sure. of it. Yeah, hundred percent. Read the sign. Like you know, I, I use it for a tool. It's um those cell cameras are are again they're, they should be on. Yeah, they're deadly. They are deadly, but they they also scare the shit out of deer. So you got to learn how to use those without um having um screwed up the property i i've in field testing i'm in developing stuff because i have patents on some new ones coming i learned some shit about those cameras so i sit while i'm hunting now sometimes and i'm video and filming and i'm watching cameras i got set up that i can watch from while i'm hunting and i see what you'll never see and i see shit that you would never even believe that that happens a bunch of deer go by with excel camera you got all those pictures and i'm watching Two other deer freaking out and doing a half moon around, watching the camera the whole way. You never seen that on that camera. You never, hmm. you don't even know what's happening. Yeah. Um, 
and I've seen deer. Uh, I set up personally cameras, cell cameras where they wouldn't be able to spot them physically. Uh, just the camera going off and watch them literally turn around and break their neck and, and look right at where the camera was at when it went off. So you they're think sensing. that's like a, like an EMF sense? Yeah, it's a um, it's a frequency that yep. all cameras put out different frequencies. Yep. If you ever do some studying, want to do some research, look up the patent I have on it. There's some information there, but just you could Google what piss, what a whitetail doesn't like as far as frequency levels. And if sure. your camera's got that frequency level, <laughs> uh, it's it's like a dog whistle to them. You don't hear it, you don't know it, but it, they'll stay away from it. And um, they know it. In a, in a regular non-cellular, you're not hiding the camera. A deer knows the camera's there. Yeah. Some tolerate cameras, some don't. Hmm. We got huge bucks that'll tolerate some cell cameras and other ones that just will not. But uh, there are cameras that have that, that literally changed the entire pattern of my property one year. And I, I had to fight, go dive in and start watching cameras instead of deer to figure out what was going on. It was scary as shit. But no that, shit. I couldn't even do that. So um, we have some stuff coming out that'll absolutely 100% fix that problem. You'll never have to worry about a freaking deer knowing even the cameras around. Um, hopefully we get a patent on it and we get a big company to take it and license it. And then we'll have at least a tool that, uh, is not hurting us. Uh, but me, the advantages far outweigh the disadvantages for, that's what I was going to ask. Yes. Yeah, yep. Sense. I'm a coward. I'm unethical. I use cell cameras too. So yeah, <laughs> I'm going well, to, hey, we talk about the corn piles here in Ohio and as much as we'd like to see them not used. I've got 7,500 pound of corn in my, in my, uh, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, cool. Here's, and I, and I come from a, a state that was heavy in baiting and I, I won't even share what I know about baiting because it'll ruin everybody. will kill anything they want with, yeah. with food on it. So I won't share it with anybody, but it's, um, it's a tool you need to know when to get the hell off yeah. the pile. Yeah. And a lot of guys will burn up a valuable week of hunting. Oh, they'll sit on it. Holding, holding to that corn to the, yep. you know, yep. so Read what's going on, follow it, uh, use it as a tool. Uh, don't use it as a tool. Um, have a good time with it. You know, it's a uh... matter of fact, what time is it? Is it time to get out? <laughs> yeah, it's it about time, time to get out. <laughs> you it guys is. just cost me a freaking day in the woods. See that? Hour and a half, just like that. No, I told no, you. I got, we suckered you into it. No. <laughs> I got plenty of time. Well, listen, man, it, it was awesome to steal you for a while here, Andre. I mean, Jared and I share that passion for, for freaking bow hunting and whitetails. I mean, it, anybody listen to this, you know, you know, if you're ate up with it or not, it's pretty, I clear. could sense, I could sense it in you guys. That's why I, <laughs> I guess that's why I finally returned that email. Yeah. Wasn't, yeah. I, know. Yeah. I know. I know. I say, Hey, I'm a businessman too. I'm a get, get I'm a get him. I get it. <laughs> No, Squeaky man. wheel gets the grease, right, That's man? Right, yeah, dude. Speaking of which, you got a flat tire on your uh, <laughs> your your vehicle out there. You're gonna have to change so you can actually get your forklift on it. I'm gonna have somebody just come in and put two new ones on it. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, shit, man! Well, we appreciate it, Andre. Thanks for joining us and well, and thanks for letting me bend your ear. It's enjoyable sometimes. Ah, uh, damn, man! Hundred percent. We we really uh, do appreciate it. It's an honor to have you on and and bend our ear, man. We're we're always so soaking up knowledge and just want to hear the shit send me pictures man i enjoy pics from uh we'll do right. man we'll stay yeah, in touch there you go there you go they ain't got to be world class either no, but that typical well, well, i don't have any so yeah. that's all right yeah. it'll be we'll kill something that'll be proud yeah hopefully. man we'll keep you posted all right all right buddy all right, you guys take it easy thank, thank you, you man appreciate it in the words of andre <laughs> de <Quisio>, fucking awesome <laughs> whoa yeah <laughs>
Um, well, it is funny because we were talking like pre-podcast, and he's like, "Oh, you guys are gonna like steal me for that long, dude." It was like butter. Yeah, butter. For they that. always are. Well, I mean, it, it's cool, and I'm first of all honor from from our standpoint for Andre to be like, "Yeah, you guys, I can tell you have the fire." Well, and dude, it's like, "Yes, we do." There's been a few guys that we've had on the podcast with respect to everyone that we've had. Mm-hmm. Like that's the lone wolf. Like, you know, I mean, like, the, lone that's wolf. the lone wolf. He gave credit to his wife for coming up with the name, which is yeah. Interesting. Well, dude, our wives always come up with the best yeah, ideas. Nice so we're just thinking about killing shit. Yeah. Um, we take the credit. Yeah, <laughs> interesting though. I mean, first off, um, it, it, did he address like Eberhart calling people out? I, I didn't realize at first, and then I was like, I think he's talking about that. So I'm gonna say yeah. Interesting. I'm going to say, yeah. It was either that or he'd had a run-in in the past. that he was It sounds like he did sure. have a run-in in the past with him as well. Well, John just rubbing people the wrong way, man. Yeah, what are you going to do? Um, interesting, though. I, I think it's cool. Like, you hear Andre talk about, like, those humble beginnings of, like, multiple times, like, hunting 10-acre parcels and just killing bucks, just, like, killing rack bucks. Like, get it done. What I think is most relatable with, with Andre and us is that evolution yeah like the constant he mentioned the athlete piece which i think we've talked about in the past like dude that that continual like strive to be better is like that's a big part of my life in a lot of ways but especially in hunting yeah. it's like and i don't it, he ran out of rope at some point which is something well, that dude, we've discussed I don't, so much yeah i don't know like it's crazy to kind of talk to somebody who's like, yeah, I did it. I did I that. Did it. I, I climbed I made, Mount Everest I and then there's nothing left. The score, my goal, and and ultimately realized yet that just, yeah, you run out of rope. Know, rope with that essentially. Yeah, I mean, killed a 200 plus inch typical and a 215 inch non typical. And he's like, did it. Now what? Where do you go from there? <clears throat> well, he regressed. Yeah. In a, in a weird way, he regressed. Yeah. Um, and part of that, I bet, was probably where he was. No knock to him, but age demographic. Yeah. Um, cause it, he, you know, he definitely could have went back to like recurve. He could have challenged, like he just figured, okay, I've done, I've climbed the mountain. Now I'm just, I'm done. I, I get the sense. And I don't know. I'm not, I won't put words in his mouth, but it almost seemed like, like where he's getting satisfaction from it now is like in, in just the precise execution of his setup and pairing that with the yes. confidence to get a mature animal killed yeah to go in and do it so effectively um uh, you know and and I, i'm sure it's every little detail like if if you know yeah, if, if everything something goes falls out of his stand or he makes a noise yeah. that shouldn't make like i i've sensed that he's like he's reached a level of a, of a just like you would with like a i, I don't know like a nascar driver yeah right imagine whatever. somebody who's at their their peak the peak performance level mm-hmm. and now you're you're fine-tuning such small things that it's like well if I, you know if i just yeah. adjust this you know it's there's there's a level of perfection that's being sought i imagine there'll be a mature buck in iowa this year that will step into a shooting lane and look up and there's andre de Quistio smiling saying gotcha bitch, gotcha, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> and just smack yeah. Yeah. And probably. I think that's the level of satisfaction he achieves at this point. Yeah. Well, and it sounds like in business too, you know I mean? He's, he's had a lot of ups and downs, I think throughout, di- you mm-hmm. know, d- different multiple businesses that they've bought, owned and sold and bought back. And we didn't really get into the history. Maybe that'd be, f- we'll save for the next one of. Well, it was cool um, that he, um, I think that last part that he really summarized where he, he gets a lot of, um, call it happiness, I guess, out of all of the thousands and tens of thousands of guys who are succeeding because of something he was involved in. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and I think that's a cool way to look at it, you know, for, for a guy who's accomplished the the pinnacle, you know, to say, well, you know, I, I still want to keep doing stuff for myself and succeeding, but I also really 
thrive off of success of others. Because case in point, John Eberhardt doesn't necessarily agree with that same model. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Well, dude, I mean, su- super cool to have Andre DeQuistio on. And, uh, you know, we're just getting into it here now. I guess that this podcast is going to drop uh, towards the end of October. Yeah. And so we're kind of, we're batting down the hatches here. You know, we're going to, um, I mean, for sure, we've got, I think, two podcasts scheduled. And we'll see you next month. Uh, yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. And that's it for 2022 on our podcast. And we'll see you next month. No, we're, we're trying to get, I mean, we're going to keep them rolling weekly. It's just, uh, we won't be doing them weekly. Yeah. Based on fronts and hunting opportunities. And uh, I don't know. We actually may have just gotten back from the big woods. Shirk. Steve Shirk. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we'll have to. We'll uh, be prepping for Thursday. like, I mean, the, we're about to hit the home stretch here of like, it's go time. So. <laughs> All right. Well, cool. Well, I hope everybody enjoyed episode 97 with hope Andre DeQuistio. Hope you're driving out of state or to deer camp oh, somewhere right now, maybe. Cold front's blowing in. Your nipples are hard. <laughs> Here's some glass, baby. <laughs> All right. We'll see you next week. Later. It's take me. Oh.